Hey, welcome to the Fixing Broken Buildings podcast, where we talk about finding the how to fix your buildings now. I'm your host, Dimitri Livas, and today I want to talk to you about the Millennium Tower in San Francisco. You see, here in Australia, we're well aware of the phenomenon of sinking and shifting buildings, right? And that's thanks to some highly publicized examples such as the recent Mascot Towers case in Sydney and the Opal Tower debacle in Sydney as well. But in these cases, changes to the original designs and use of substandard materials to cut costs have been the main reasons behind the sinking or shifting buildings, right? Now, across the globe, we've seen evidence of the potential for sinking or leaning buildings to totally collapse. You see, in 2017, the 13-storey Azarita apartment tower in Egypt, which was dubbed the Leaning Tower of Alexandria, toppled over and crashed into a neighbouring residential building where it stayed for 21 days before it was demolished. Now, this building, which was only approved to be four storeys, not 13, it didn't have the adequate support piles beneath it and it started to lean as soon as a neighbouring building had collapsed. You heard me right, another one had collapsed. So I guess this example points to a big problem with Egypt's construction industry, especially when Alexandria alone has an estimate of about 14,500 unsafe buildings. Now, thankfully, circumstances such as these aren't always the underlying causes for sinking or shifting towers, right? And the outcome is not always so severe. So today we're looking at the case of San Francisco's own infamous Millennium Tower and how it's earned a similar nickname, the Leaning Tower of San Francisco. You see, in a city where there's so much scrutiny of the construction industry in general, and in a building that's actually won a whole heap of awards for its design and its build, some more natural elements have also influenced this slanting posture. So let's take a look at the Millennium Tower and what it's made of. And you see that it forms like a bit of a big mixed use development, right? So it's on 301 Mission Street in San Francisco. It's the tallest building in the city. And at the time of its construction, it was the first high rise building in downtown San Francisco in the last 20 years. So this 58 story tower is connected by a glass atrium to another building underneath, right? and that's 12 stories, and then under that there's a five-level car park. You get the picture so far? Now, the building's concrete slab sits on friction piles that extend down 30 meters into the earth below. And the foundations of many of the buildings that are nearby also are built in a very similar way. Now, the difference is with some of those ones is that they go 80 meters down into the earth, right? So that means that they engage directly with the bedrock, and it gives them a whole lot more of additional support. But you see, some of this is due to a variety of conditions in the earth below Mission Street and the surrounding areas. So it gets a little bit tricky, right? So the complex was completed in 2009 and it was open to residents that same year. It cost something like $350 million to build and it's won a bunch of awards, including awards for outstanding engineering and fantastic project management. But, and yes, there's always a but in these situations. During the planning phase, the developers didn't submit a peer review. And so it wasn't put under the same scrutiny as some of the other buildings in the area. 
You see, there was a similar building proposed by a developer called Jack Myers. And now Jack's proposed location, which was just nearby, was rejected by the Department of Building Inspections. Now, the other interesting thing is, the rejected building had the same geotechnical engineer as the Millennium Tower. Now, it's been alleged that the developers had let some of the owners know that the building was sinking and tilting back in 2015. This is before they actually officially told the public, right? This is alleged though. The public were officially notified about the problem in 2016 and the building had already sunk almost half a metre by that point and it had tilted five centimetres at the base and more than 15 centimetres at the top. So now in 2017, the building was still somehow considered safe to occupy even with the sinking and the tilting, and even with subsequent damage to the foundation and to the electrical systems. Then in 2018, it sunk another five centimetres, and the tilt at the top of the tower became much worse. So they recorded that tilt at over 35 centimetres now. And these massive cracks can be seen all over the pavement and footpaths surrounding that tower at ground level. Now, there's a whole heap of cracks also in the building's basement, but it doesn't stop there. The problem got worse in September that same year when residents had reported a heap of loud creaking and popping sounds. And then there was these windows up on the 36th floor, these windows that were designed to, to withstand massive winds and pressure and hurricane winds. And they were cracking on the 36th floor. So obviously people now are getting worried. They're getting concerned about the building's inhabitable status, right? And whether it's really safe for people to be staying in their apartments. Now, let's have a look at what's caused all these issues, you know, what's caused the tilt and all these issues. We mentioned the piles under the ground that only go 30 metres into the soil and the fill below, right? And this is a massive contrast compared to the other nearby buildings that have got the piles driven, you know, down to 80 metres, which is nearly three times as much, right? And it's right into bedrock. You see, over time, that soil underneath most likely is getting compressed and it's allowed that tower to settle as much as it has. And that settlement causes the sinking and the tilting. Now there's an interesting comparison to this, and that is, of course, the original Leaning Tower. Because this was also the case with that Tuscan Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? This famous tower was built on a foundation of unstable subsurface soil, and it began to lean to the south when construction had started already on its second story. It was right in the early stages. You see, you'd think they'd stop, right? But without the diagnostic and building technology of today, architects attempted to counter the lean by adjusting the design northward. Now, neighboring construction projects also worked against the best efforts of the engineers because they further contributed to that instability of the soil and the foundations below. The thing is now more recently and in more recent years, there's been works undertaken in the late 90s which involved placing weights on the north side while at the same time they were excavating soil from below which was done to allow the tower to somewhat like level itself out and correct itself to reduce the degree of tilting. But the thing is, right, when we look at the Millennium, unlike the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's unlikely that the cause of the sinking and tilting is related to the excavation for the construction of the neighbouring Transbay Transit Centre, so for the neighbouring buildings that have done excavations. And they say this because the problems with the Millennium Tower were allegedly reported before the construction of the TTC had even begun. Right? Problems that included the Millennium Tower already sinking an alleged 25 centimetres. That's a quarter of a metre, right? 
So resident savannas have been like really divided on whether or not the developer or the city or TTC are responsible. So all these separate groups of owners are suing at least one of these parties and some of them are actually suing a combination of two or three of them, which it actually makes sense, right? It gets even more complicated though, because the city joined the fight for liability when they filed a lawsuit against the developers in 2016, because they claimed that they'd withheld information about the sinking problem from potential buyers. And so the developer denied these claims and then finally, in March of 2017, the Owners Corporation filed a lawsuit against not only the developers, but the engineers, the builders, other contractors, and the TTC. And they're suing for $200 million to cover the remediation works and the damages. So how can it be saved? Even with the money, how can it be saved, right? How can it be fixed? And what are some of the options that we have here? You see, there's been a heap of proposed plans to fix the tower that have been floated to the owners. And this one plan in particular involved drilling up to 300 micropiles all the way down to the bedrock, starting through the building's concrete footings and going all the way through, right? So they do this by suspending one side of the building and at the same time allowing the other side to keep sinking until it leveled itself out. But too many people thought this was going to be too intrusive and way too expensive. And by expensive, I mean with an estimated cost before they start of $350 million, right? Yep, that's $350 million. That's the same amount as it cost to build the building in the first place. So instead, late last year, the Millennium Tower Association submitted an application to the city's departments of building inspections and they proposed a different solution. They proposed to have 52 new piles drilled down all the way to the bedrock, but these 52 piles would be drilled from the footpath and the sidewalks on the tower's southwest corner. And this remediation plan will then cost much less at roughly 100 million bucks. That's still a lot of money though, right? But the application has to pass like a heap of stages of red tape to get approved. And so the outcome is still months away. There's so many challenges, but there's even more that makes this even more difficult, right? Things like liability insurance. It's similar to the scenario we've got here in Australia because the cost to fix such a monumental problem can simply blow out the developer's liability insurance as well as other insurances like the insurances of the contractors involved and other engineers and the like. So if the TTC is found liable, well then the taxpayers could end up footing the bill. But now another issue is access. Let's say they do the works, right? You see access to the currently occupied 58 storey tower is obviously a major concern. And do you really wanna be in there while this work's being done? And this is also a major reason, apart from the cost, that people would prefer the perimeter pile upgrade and not those micro pile remedies in, in the building. It makes sense, right? Now, assuming it works, they prefer that the piles get drilled down through the footpaths on just one corner of the building, and that way it has less impact on the public and the residents in general. But finally, we have this other challenge. And this other challenge is what sort of impact is it gonna have on the traffic in the surrounding areas, right? You see a potential complication with all major remediation works at this scale is the impact 
on the buildings surrounding streets. And this is more than simply like the, just the traffic. It's, that's a major impact in itself, but it's also the businesses and the residents and the nearby buildings. So it's this really complex undertaking in more ways than one. And where does that leave us? Well, this leaning tower of San Francisco isn't the first of its kind and it probably won't be the last. But one big positive that comes out of scenarios like this is that we get insights into gaining into like how we're gonna do things better in the future, right? So you see with more and more of Earth's like inhabitable space becoming overcrowded and overpopulated and buildings are extending upward now more than ever, right? There's more like inner city density. So the unfortunate but interesting phenomenon of sinking buildings continues to shed light on how we can build better, how we can create healthier buildings in the future. You see what I'm saying? So this is Dimitri Livas with another Fixing Broken Buildings podcast, always reminding you that creating healthy buildings is easy with the right teams. Take care. Mm-hmm.